You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hello, you are listening to The Ortho Show, and I'm Ben Young. I'm Mika Nichols. Today, we're going to be learning about the Orthopedic Summit Evolving Techniques meeting. It's three and a half days, 240 faculty, 1,000 presentations, nine sessions held in the Bellagio Hotel Las Vegas, of all places, which all wrapped up together must surely equal the most fun orthopedic event on the calendar. We're going to meet Kevin Plancher. He's the doctor and the mastermind behind the Orthopedic Summit's success. Good morning, and, and thank you, Ben and Mika. It's a pleasure to be here. We had you on the show today for a very specific reason. So you, you and I met at Ortho Summit, Emerging Concepts in Orthopedics. That's uh, your show in Las Vegas. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough several years ago to, to sponsor the show with a company I used to work for. Um, before we discuss, you know, what Ortho Summit's about, uh, obviously, uh, when this thing was conceived and you decided to do things a little bit differently at Ortho Summit, what was it about <laughs> orthopedic meetings and events that made you feel that there was a need for something different? So it's very funny, and I apologize that you're kind enough to bring up the Ortho Summit and the meeting. I, I will tell you that healthcare is in need of some help, so to speak. It's it's a very uh, expression that's uh, wrung out by many, but the point is that we all need to share information. And if my mantra is yes, I was asked years ago, about nine years ago, to run a course, and I didn't know why they called me. And I said, I'd love to, but I asked, who else have you asked? And they asked many people, much more qualified than myself. And they all said there are too many courses. And I had been watching on public broadcast uh, television, the English Parliament, because I found it kind of humorous, but appropriate that, you know, the Tories, the Conservative Party and the Labour Party, each would stand up and present their position. There was no con, they both were pro their position. And they would stand up in the typical British fashion with words that so eloquent, I probably didn't understand half what they spoke. And then the group behind the Tories would give their harumph, and the Labour Party would give their harumph. And then somehow they met in the middle to find the answer. And I thought about it and I said, well, isn't that kind of medicine with an art and a science? And why are we hearing always one person's point of view and some statistics? And then we're supposed to buy into it. Why can't we now challenge each other in a very formidable way? We're all friends, we're peers. And so I said, I'll do it, but I don't want to do it for 50 people as they want. I said, 150 people. They didn't like that answer because that involves a lot of funding. And so we went on our way to create a true 501c3 where no one gets paid except the person who organizes kind of the hotel and things of that nature and the people that 
went out, I said, to find the technology that can change a patient's life. And at that time, nine years ago, and it's changing now, it was not considered proper to speak to the other side, so to speak, the companies that are creating this fabulous technology. But I thought, why aren't they the labor and why aren't we the Tories? And let's get together. Well, Kevin, if only if it was true nowadays that Parliament were meeting in the middle to uh, to find a solution. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe, Kevin, uh, once we're done with this, maybe running Parliament might be the next. <laughs> great, great something. That is a test. Too big. People, people need to be a little kinder to each other at the moment. How else did you address the missing needs, or at least the missing needs as you found them around orthopedic events or... or medical events in general? So I spoke to some of the faculty that came and I went to my mentors to start. And I said, describe to me how courses were run before me in my day. And my memory was that one for faculty, you had to treat them very well, like royalty. Uh, It wasn't about small little favors because they were taking time away from their patients and their practice, so it it has to be practical. And so they said, we'll come, but you know, it has to be short bursts. And the timing was, if you think nine years ago, all the courses had people speaking for 20 minutes, 40 minutes. And I found, and maybe that is my, my own inherent problem for attention span, that if you can't get your message out in seven minutes or six minutes, you're not really getting the message. And I wanted to create this short burst of simultaneously messages and panels and then put people in a position of awkwardness so that if they, for instance, believe that a cruciate retaining knee is the only way to go and they grew up in Boston, and if they believe that, on the other hand, that posterior sacrificing posterior sacrificing was inappropriate, I would make the cruciate retaining woman or man represent the posterior sacrificing. And if it was the vice versa, they would have to represent the other point of view so that all their talks were not, as we say in the business, canned. They have to create them. And that caused some consternation. People weren't happy. They went to the middle bar and I said no. And then we tried to make it personalized so that everybody got a letter from the organization, much like a Broadway show with science, so that there was no overlap. I always was disturbed that two lectures in a row, they overlapped on the same content. So it was always moving, moving fast, have to pay attention, and it was exciting, it was innovative, and you had to be evangelical about it. Otherwise, you weren't permitted on the stage. And if you agreed, and someone did four years out with the other person, you were never invited back. (laughs) There has to be discourse because in the discourse, the person in the audience can find something to think about what they themselves are doing and how they're taking care of their patients. And then, yes, I'm sorry. I I believe there's a particular story, at least Ben was relating it to me, where you actually stood up and told people to stop being nice to each other and and you didn't believe that they believed what they were saying or something along those lines. Could you recount that? We were in the show. Ben, you're terrible. You're like a a spy. I know. (laughs) And I am also a spy. (laughs) (laughs) So it, it was in the shoulder section. I had some dear friends 
up on the panel. There were seven or ten of them. And some question, I, I'm sorry, I don't know what was asked. And they then pontificated on it. And when they started sitting back as if I imagined them smoking on a pipe and pontificating, I stood up in the audience and I said, wait a minute, Bill, you absolutely detest the guy that you're sitting next to. And you've written about it in the literature. And now you're telling me you just think he's giving you the wonderful news and it, we should all listen to it. You need to elaborate on this. Otherwise, you're off the stage. So now tell me what you think is the truth. And it was almost like that movie with the officer, you can't handle that truth. And he then went off on it. So I called him out. But I will tell you that a much better story was one of the very early years when we were just forming the course that Dr. Warren, Russell Warren, who's just a wonderful gentleman and a really thoughtful scientist and wonderful physician, stood up after someone gave a lecture on the triple varus knee or something of that nature and took the microphone as all honored professors. So we have a few honored professors every year. It's an open mic. And he said to the audience that he's never heard such unadulterated baloney coming out of someone's mouth. And it actually does not work what that speaker just said. And um, that was the tone that I wanted and he set me off on a trail. You and I have discussed in the past that you have thoughts about the engagement of the companies themselves. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that you've done there in order to make it a more, because you understand, you recognized uh, that the companies have to support these events, otherwise they don't, they don't happen. It's a necessary evil, maybe? Is that the wrong term? I don't know. Um, but what have you done there to help make it worth their while and, and uh, incorporate them into the event? <laughs> We want, thank you. We wanted to make um, a course, and, and it's just the reality that if you don't have a, a society with a membership, uh, this 501c3 had to and does raise money and spend every penny, and there is no war chest. But you also have to walk a fine line between there are rules, there are rules in society, and there are rules in education as appropriately they should be. And so Continuing medical education is important because I think it helps um, the patients at the end of the day, and it questions the doctor, is he or she doing the things they learned 30 years ago, or are they staying current? And so I purposely pushed it to the end of the year because we wanted to help those physicians that don't have their CME required for the end of the year, and so we give a whole bundle of that. And then... We had to figure out how to carefully walk that fine line. And so what we did is most courses back then, the companies were not allowed in the room to listen to lectures. So first of all, we invited everyone to listen to any lecture they wanted to. We then uh, told them that we really um, need to understand how to work within uh, their compliance. And uh, so that I went to my colleagues and asked them if they happen to have any affiliations with uh, companies that might be interested in disseminating some of the newest information. And by going to my colleagues, it led me to meet some wonderful company uh, people 
And at first, some said there's no need to go to any kind of course. There are plenty out there. And then there are, like Malcolm Gladwell and others before him have said, the tipping point where will they take a risk? Some companies, I said, it's all about budgets and they didn't budget for it. And I said, you don't have to pay us this year. We'll take it. And why don't you next year give us some money accordingly? And so we were nervous because we were within usually $1,000 or whatever of our budget to uh, make it happen. But at the end of the day, it turned out that the companies need us to disseminate information and so that we have the best educational content bar none. And we need them for one funding, but also to make a partnership. And I think if you can be responsible enough. I myself am not a consultant uh, for those companies. And so that way they knew that I was clean. And I also did not want to represent one point of view as I was approached by a company and they said, we'll pay for the whole thing. And I said, I don't really want that. I really want it to be disseminated. And then we formed a board and we have now 23 chairs and co-chairs that meet the first weekend in January and they create the program. And so we try to make something that what I call is out of the box because I grew up in a family where my dad was in business, he wasn't in medicine. And so it was a very different conversation at the dinner table about stocks and pennies and making budgets and I thought, why not create that different uh, conversation? And so there's a respect by me of, of the companies. And I think all the other physicians are learning how to do it. And the rest was luck. And it just worked out. What do you think the future holds for Orthosummit? So each year we have to add things. So one of the things, as I said, is we started with two podiums. That was considered, quote unquote, stupid. So I, I don't listen to the noise outside and we did it. And now most courses have two podiums, by the way. We then moved to looking at live surgery and making it possible through technology to bring actually an operating room to people in the audience. I had to look at my audience and I realized they were, because of the nature of healthcare, general orthopedic surgeons that community-minded, that wanted to try and learn how successfully to do operations. And so knowing that, we chose to expand from a sports medicine shoulder and knee program to an arthroplasty, to a spine, to a trauma, to um, recently, three years ago, resident and fellows with travel grants that we now said that 60 residents would present for cash prizes and get adjudicated by very thoughtful judges. And so now the question is that everyone is copying and I'm honored, but I always learned that if you build a store on a corner, you build the same exact store on the corner to bring more traffic. We are now trying to make sure that the content is cutting edge, that it has non-promotional way of presenting devices or techniques or success by doctors 
And we bring in now anesthesia. We expand how they can help the orthopedic surgeon. And I want to break down the barriers without intimidating uh, people in the audience or the, so to speak, the faculty, or maybe I do intimidate them a little. I don't know. And we bring in rehab, athletic trainers, and we're just trying to grow to a point of real life clinical scenarios. So it's as if the patient is walking into your clinic or your office and you're faced with this dilemma. What are you going to do? And then I get success because we have the conversation. I don't know where it's going to take us. Most things in, in business and medicine peter out. But I hope that if the participants feel it's valuable, they'll drive where we go because we survey them, not only because we're required um, for having support and the academy has given us the continuing medical education, but they'll decide if it's worth it. And then if it's not, then it hopefully served its purpose to help as many patients as possible. Thank you so much uh, for taking us through the journey. I've always enjoyed Ortho Summit, and we wish you uh, all the success in the world. But what I'd like you to do is shamelessly please plug the um, the next Ortho Summit and tell us where people can sign up. So first, I'd like to say that technology is, for me, the forefront of education. When done well, we can educate our physicians in a, as I said, non-promotional way and share Otherwise, when surgeons don't share and care for each other, we all lose. The Ortho Summit this year is December 11th through 14th at the Bellagio Hotel. Due to the graciousness, I might add, of the Bellagio that uh, allows us financially to do this to break even. They do a wonderful job to treat you like a very special person, whether you're a participant or one of the faculty members. It will have multiple sections with live surgery. I know I can tell you that uh, Steve Burkhardt is one of our honored shoulder professors with Buddy Savoie this year. We have an amazing cast. And April 1, we will release uh, our first email again for the Orthopedic Summit meeting. It is in concert with the help of the Academy, the AAOS, that they supported. And uh, they truly believe in uh, good education that's valuable, and I hope we break down barriers and help each other to learn, and I hope, and maybe we will invite uh, the two of you in the ortho show, because it's, <laughs> it's sure an honor to have been here today.